You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition. Uh, I'm Liam, one of your hosts. I'm Scott, also one of your hosts. I'm Greg, also one of your hosts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, changing it up because it's a side notes. Anything goes <laughs> on a side notes. Who knows what we're going to cover? Um, and uh, today's topic actually is uh, we're going to be talking about ourselves, uh, the, the folks you just met in that introduction. Uh, we, we've, uh, thought it prudent to take this opportunity to reflect on our own journey as, uh, cinephiles, as media critics, as armchair screenwriters, as big old movie nerds, uh, with lots to say, uh, and just sort of look at how, as we've gotten older, that's changed and grown over the years. Uh, one, because it should be a, a lively discussion. I'm excited to get to know these fellows better in that regard. And also, uh, out of solidarity with the uh, current uh, writers' strike and uh, actors' strike, so Greg, this was your idea. Can you speak speak more to uh, not just the idea, but why as well? Yeah, I just I felt like because my journey in in uh, understanding cinema is <laughs> runs from like a basically a little know nothing to I don't know know something now. I guess that's <laughs> at least fair to say, but I just I just felt like. My own personal understanding of film has come so far, and and it and it just I was just curious about your journeys in uh, becoming better film critics, mm-hmm. as compared to what my journey was like, and it just felt like an interesting topic to me. Yeah, and 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 also keeps the focus away from promoting uh, specific films, yeah. which is something uh, certain content creators are doing. Uh, um, in an act of solidarity um, as a way of respecting the picket line. Uh, and we wanted to attempt to do the same. Uh, so we're, yeah, I uh, thought we'd try, try something a little different today. And I'm excited to do it, but just want to explain to folks why we might not go real deep on notes on a specific movie or an idea. This is a little more uh, reflective today. So yeah, uh, and, and hell of an idea, Greg. I'm excited to get into it because uh, it inspired me uh, to dig out uh, some old reviews that I wrote. Uh, for the Nate newspaper, when I went to business school at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, I, as I was thumbing through these sort of uh, cringy archives with my partner, um, she's like, damn, you wrote a lot of them. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the only reason I actually saw my diploma through to the end was because I like doing this so much. Uh, I might very well have not gotten that business marketing diploma were <laughs> 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 it not for getting paid $10 and getting free advance tickets to movies. Uh, and then having uh, my dumb dumb twenty year old opinions published in print and distributed all across uh, a one block radius of downtown Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote I wrote extensively for the Gateway at the University of Alberta, and while I quite enjoyed doing it, uh, weirdly not an entertainment writer. <laughs> oh damn! What did you write? Uh, I wrote mostly opinion columns um, and drew a comic, uh, but. 
Uh, and I, I wrote the occasional entertainment piece, but I don't know that I ever actually did a movie review. I'm pretty sure I did a couple theater reviews here and there, but uh, nice. that was about it. We're, which is weird because I took a film course in university. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm excited to get more into that. But I think maybe let's let's just start uh, if we're going to talk about how far we've come and what's changed. We we need a baseline. So um, we often do this when we discuss top of the year, the episode we did top of the decade. Uh, but just uh, for our own refresher and for our listeners. At this point in your life, as a film fan and as a critic and as a podcaster, what is it you look for in a movie? I think the the first thing that I'm looking for now is uh, a movie that's interested in saying something about the the world, particularly the current world that we're now inhabiting. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you know the world is a a deeply depressing and frustrating place and um it is definitely cathartic when a movie is reflecting that back at you and just helping you explore what is going on around us process it so do you think that's a a reflection of these times and less of your age uh maybe a little bit of both um I, i i'm certainly i was thinking about the types of movies i i watch now as compared to you know when i was a a teenager, which was mostly um, kung fu movies. Frankly, mm-hmm. it was just like every which are va- great. Yep, <laughs> every and every like Van Damme movie I could get my hands on. You know, it it, it there was the, you know it was definitely a quite a different type of thing. Like you're, I was chiefly looking to be entertained first by cool action and uh, and while that's still definitely a part <laughs> of why i watch movies now um i, I i'm definitely um uh, it's not it's not that a movie necessarily has to have like big things to say but like i'm 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 also just sort of like interested in how it's saying it you know like if it's got if it's got a message even if it's in you know a marvel movie or a dc movie or something like that i'm interested in um how the movie is processing its message and how it's communicating it to the audience. And I think like those are the things that I'm sort of like chiefly looking for it because that's sort of like what gets my brain firing off when I notice those things. Um, Cause yeah, I wonder just again about that. Like, is it, is it an age or is it a time thing? If, if we were doing this in an, in a period of time, like the nineties that was so peaceful and confident and, um, and bountiful, yeah, I wonder if if that appetite how how different it would be, because yeah, I'm I'm hungry for for something to help make answers of what's going on around me these days, for sure. Um, I think why why Sorry to Bother You was one of my favorite movies of of recent memory. Yeah. Um, and also like Sorry to Bother You, it's just pretty far out, which is kind of I've said many times on this podcast what I look for in a movie. I want to see something I have never seen before. Um, whether that's something wholly original, wholly creative, bizarre, I really look for stuff that's out there. I'm even okay with people putting a fun spin on bankable tropes. Uh, I watched Nimona recently. That was a fun one where it's like, it, it did a lot of things familiar and a lot of things different. And that was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty endearing. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I just, I just want to see something I've never seen or at the very least, be so engrossed in the characters and the world building and 
the adventure, what have you, that I get blindsided by something that I should have seen coming that was cliched in route. And uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I think, is the best example of that. It it if you took one step back, you could see what the like what the twi- quote unquote twist was. But I was just so engrossed with it. It genuinely I was like, oh, of course he would make that choice. Oh, he did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, of course, man. Like, what do you like? So that, yeah, that that's my my main thing is something something new. If I want the familiar, I'll listen to podcasts or watch old TV shows. I value coherence in my movies okay. more than I used to. I used to be very forgiving of movies <laughs> that were kind of slapdash because I could be like Greg. I could be dazzled by spectacle and not really think about anything deeper. And nowadays I just don't have as much patience for that. Um, And a movie that's like tonally inconsistent or has a muddled message or has clearly been like had new pages written day to day as they were filming. If if, if, you can just see that the script is a mess. And as someone who has uh, certainly attempted to write scripts as someone who has uh, a bit of a writing background as someone who has become more, more cinema literate. I just, I have less and less patience for a script that is incoherent or incomplete or just isn't Mm -hmm. really like up to the quality that I would expect for a good movie to be. Yeah. And uh, you can throw all the special effects you want at me. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to get hung up on like bad dialogue or uh, hackneyed tropes or um, just not like Greg said, not knowing what the message is you're trying to tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, I think I've, I've quite matured as, as a movie person, which is not to say that I don't enjoy a popcorn movie from time to time. Sometimes sure. you want to shut off your brain and just watch explosions happen. But if I'm going to the movies to like, consume a movie i want it to be i want it to be like a good meal i don't want it to be junk food (laughs) yeah but even even a popcorn movie should like coherence does not necessarily mean complex and as long as it's simple and coherent complex and coherent you want it and and yeah not just because it's it's frustrating as a a listener to the story but as as a as a an artist it's like you guys got to make this you got the money and the opportunity to do this and you didn't give it a hundred percent. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. Yeah. 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 And, and, how, with, how, and with, how could you miss this fly? It's so obvious. Like, yeah. Like in regards to the, like the script, as you say, Scott, like it's, I have very low tolerance for, for films who don't do um, some of the more basic things like um, proper setups and payoffs. Um, those are the yep. kinds of things that I'll pick up on right away as, mm something that you know i can whether i can have confidence in whether the film is going to set up things and then pay them off appropriately at the end and if i get with early on that that's not going to happen i'm not going to be a happy camper through the rest of my watch yeah mm-hmm. um because you're expecting something that doesn't happen yeah and that can be a bit of a letdown on a script. And I I should underscore as well, when I say that uh, I don't like things that are incoherent, sometimes a movie is incoherent and that's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Like chaos can in itself be part of the point of the film and makes sense in the context of the film. Mm -hmm. And I have seen some movies that could be described as incoherent, 
but they were thematically on point. Like it, it flowed logically and those are good films. I don't mm-hmm. want to suggest yeah. they're not. I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think our folk, our listeners are picking up what you're putting down. Perfect. Um, then let's, let's say we go all the way to the beginning. Then that's the end. That's today. Um, any, what it, when you were a kid, uh, even, <laughs> even a teenager, young teenager, what, what was it about movies? Not just what you looked for, but like what would get that kind of reaction out of you? And I'd love to start. Cause I, Greg's question inspired a memory I hadn't thought of. Uh, in years, I remember being like seven or eight, going to see movies with my family, coming out and just kind of everyone being like, that was good. Yeah, it was good. You liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, you liked it. You liked it too. Piling in the car and going home and just part of me being like, well, no, like what? Like, I, I vividly remember having the epiphany of like, I wonder what it was everyone liked about it. I'd like to hear that. And in fact, we'll make a point of finding something I liked about it and articulating it out loud. Uh, and usually just being like, my favorite scene was da 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 da. But I, I, I don't know why it's like such a core memory, but like walking out of the single movie theater in Spruce Grove, Alberta, out of like what had to have been, you know, like a t- Toy Story or like some kids animated movie and just like, feeling the need to be like be specific about what you like that's more interesting so thank you for reminding me of that (laughs) yeah scott yeah i mean when i was younger i just watched movies i remember some of my earliest memories are watching like uh the wonderful world of disney with my folks and watching some of those old classic disney movies um i remember going to the movies a lot when I was younger. Um, but I was a lot less discriminate. Like I would go and see movies that just seemed interesting to me. I obviously a lot of fantasy and sci-fi films because that's kind of my wheelhouse. But, uh, and I've become, I've become definitely a more, uh, versatile, uh, cinema consumer over the years because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm less picky about the stuff that I go see uh, and I'm more open-minded about seeing stuff that just like I hear good word of mouth about than than I used to but yeah I I used to watch a lot of schlock I guess would be the best way to put it <laughs> um and I uh, I'm glad that I've moved on from that not that schlock doesn't have its place not that I don't still have a sweet tooth for it from time to time um but yeah like I I appreciate that there are a lot of movies today that I that I watch happily that I would never have watched in my youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would say that like I, I think I always had good taste in movies, at least as far as my own evaluation goes, for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I don't know if I felt like I watched necessarily a ton of trash, like certainly lots of unsophisticated stuff but um i i think i i knew when a movie was um pandering and not particularly interesting and and um like i i i feel like i always sort of recognized a lower quality of of writing or a higher uh level of studio want make money <laughs> type thing you know and i i remember <laughs> and i remember specifically um like watching mortal Kombat in the theaters <laughs> as opposed to watching 
uh, Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation in theaters. Whereas, like, you know, Kid Me watching Mortal Kombat was just like, you know, this is this is amazing. This is like you know first run of all these all these all this computer animation it was finally like a representation of a video game that i've been obsessed with as a as a kid and i and i and i liked it and then you get to mortal kombat 2 and i remember sitting in the theater mm-hmm. with my buddy and the opening sequence to mortal kombat 2 was the exact same sequence from the first one same logo, same fire, nothing was different, same music. And uh, uh, me and my buddy turned to each other and we went, uh-oh. <laughs> so, so yeah, like I, I, you know, I had, I had a sense of quality, but like, I, you know, again, like I mentioned off the top, I was, I was certainly more interested in um, things that had a more visceral entertainment value, you know, like, like a Mortal Kombat like uh, the mm-hmm. the Matrix and and movies uh, of the like, those are more yeah. more of my jam. Action and spectacle, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, in in reviewing my old college uh, aged reviews, I realized I I up until recently had a real. I'd like to have my expectations paid off. And in talking here, listening to Scott talk, I realized that goes back to being a kid too. There are a lot of really popular franchises, you know, IPs, whatever that I'm just not a huge fan of because I didn't come to it kind of on my own. And, or I say come to it on my own, but like it, it also goes as like, it wasn't sold to me. Like I didn't go in with a hook or an expectation. And I realized it was only very recently was that I found myself willing to take a chance on a movie. I knew nothing about. I've always been like, tell me why this one should have my attention. So like I was never a big star Wars kid because my first exposure to star Wars was someone putting on a tape of it um, well, a bunch of kids were like playing in the basement while the parents were like upstairs drinking on the weekend. It's like a dozen family friends, kids kind of all just running around a basement in the suburbs and Star Wars is on. No one told me what it was. I didn't see the first five minutes. And therefore, it just was never something I was interested in going forward because I was just like, well, that's just that weird thing that was on at that party at New Year's Eve party in 1996, like um, and not having any real context for it. Whereas, like, my dad told, like, just explained to me something as simple as, like, oh, Red Dwarf is on PBS. I remember watching that. It was a weird old British sci-fi show and being really into Red Dwarf just because it all it took was my dad saying, I've seen this. I like it. Here's the basic hook. Go nuts. And I'm suddenly a huge Red Dwarf fan, but, you know, couldn't give a shit about Star Wars. Um same thing with Zelda. I've never been a big Zelda guy because just every time I saw someone play it, I was like, well, what's going on? Why is it? And like Zelda's very famous for you know dropping you uh, just right in there, but I never got it because of that lack of context I was given. So, so yeah, I've always thrived on being given some kind of hook or context before a movie that was important to me as a kid, important to me as a teenager, and it's been only recently that I've I've shook it. So, uh, and that was something I noticed. Yeah, reading back in my old reviews. So, hmm. that's interesting. So you almost like you were one of those early people who kind of bucked it, like getting overhyped on something. 
I don't think it was that. I think I just like needed to decide it was for me. Like I gatekeeped my own experience. <laughs> uh, in in like my, I was I was the first victim of weird toxic gatekeeping of my own design. So where I'm envious of your um uh eat it up i'll watch anything kind of attitude as a kid scott because i i certainly didn't have that i i was a little pickier yeah. I, I definitely think there is some there's definitely some good value in like discovering something on your own it, it does it does at least for me like it makes it makes the thing that i discovered more personal um sure it reminds me i just me think of, it, it caused me to miss out on a lot of things too, that's fair yeah yeah i i don't know that i've ever been like done you know been exclusive like uh, exclude things because I it was brought to me rather than me finding it but I yeah I, I don't know I think it does it does tweak something uh in my in my head yeah, you know fires off the some sort of like movie endorphins <laughs> when I've mm-hmm. when I've come to it on my own and I and I enjoy it uh a little bit more because of it yeah yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Star Wars because I I had a similar experience with Star Wars uh to start I remember, I want to say it was like Christmas or something at an aunt or uncle's house and Empire Strikes Back was on the TV Mm -hmm. and I was like vaguely consciously aware of it, but I had no context for it. Like I remember seeing like ad ats on Hoth and stuff and I was just like, I have no idea what this is. Oh, it's Star Wars, whatever. I came to Star Wars later because I had a friend who was really into Star Wars and he sold me on Star Wars, basically. Mm. So it was a very different sort of thing where it was like Star Wars was just kind of a thing that I was aware of in the background. And then I had a friend who was super into it and his excitement for it got me into it. And then I kind of came around and became a Star Wars guy for a Mm. while. Um, Like, I don't know that a lot, certainly any of us are currently Star Wars guys, but uh, (laughs) But uh, oh, yeah, that's red dwarf guy. <laughs> yeah, I funny that you bring it up because I just recently watched a an in depth retrospective, uh, two part like four hour retrospective on Red Dwarf. Can you send that to me, please? I will. I will try to remember to send you the link when we're done sure. recording. Sweet. Uh, cool. <laughs> Maybe it'll show up in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> we don't have show notes. Uh, yeah, so that's I think a good. Um, sort of exploration of, of like childhood. And I think, I think our teenage years and our, our young adult years are going to bleed into each other. What, um, I just out of curiosity, sure. and this, and this is relevant. Uh, Cause Greg kind of touched on this a little bit. What is the first movie you remember watching where you walked out of it and were like, that was a bad movie. Um, <laughs> that you, it, not, not that you watched on TV, like not a made for TV thing. Like specifically mm-hmm. you went to the theater and it was the first time you left the theater and were disappointed with the film. Ninja Turtles 3, Secret of the Use, or whatever it was. No, Time, Turtles in Time? time Turtles, Turtles in Time. Because <laughs> for the longest time, I could find something to enjoy. But I, the first time I distinctly remember being disappointed in a film was Spider-Man 3. Hmm. That I had seen specifically in theater. I've, I'd seen some bad movies prior, but there was always something that mitigated it so that it was still an enjoyable experience for me. I remember going to see Deep Blue Sea after a final exam one afternoon with a friend. It's a terrible film. But mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun watching it because of when we were watching it, watching it together, joking about it while we were in there. But like, I remember going to a packed like opening weekend theater to see Spider-Man 3 and walking out and Everyone I was in that theater with was just like, that was a bad movie. 
what we just saw was not good. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there's an earlier example, but this is the most interesting, funny version of it. I remember going to see the Doom movie um, that with with The Rock um, in the game Doom. Um, Would have been, yeah, like just after high school, college age. Maybe in maybe in high school, I should look up when that came out. No, if it was hanging out with the guy in this story, it was high school. Sick. Okay, uh, we get out of Doom. We're all like, "Wow, that sucked." And as like a bit, this guy Jesse we were hanging out with was like, "Everyone, we just saw Doom. We have to go. That was such a bad movie. We have to go. Let's go." And like as a joke, like rushed out of the theater, got into his car. He was the one driving. Got into his car quickly. He's like, "Guys, come on, come on, come on. We gotta go. We watched Doom. It was awful. We gotta get out of here." <laughs> and like just as a bit we can't like, be seen having yeah, just watched like, Doom. <laughs> he just decided that the movie was so bad we needed to leave urgently and carried the bit on for like three traffic lights <laughs> into the street it was yeah <laughs> so. god you know what I think I, re- I might have seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation in theaters too and I think I remember that also being terrible <laughs> Now that I now that I think back, that might have been my first one too, Greg. Nice. All right. It's a seminal um, moment for two yeah, thirds of our for, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Uh, and then we have learned a couple couple recent ep- recently and also years ago discovered that we all worked at video stores at one point and another. So I feel like that's probably that point in our lives where we're all slinging DVDs at oh, the yeah. old. Was it all? We were all Rogers, or was someone a a blockbuster? I was Rogers. Rogers, I was working at a place called Video Update. Oh, nice. the old Video Update. <laughs> yeah, shit. The old, the old VidUp, as they called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was a um, Rogers guy. Yeah. I, I uh, walked in the St. Albert uh, Rainmaker Rodeo Parade in the Rogers Video Robot Mascot costume. One. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I worked at the Spruce Grove one and then into the downtown one, um, which is also where I was. It's what I did while I was doing my uh, diploma at Nate writing for the newspaper. And so one of the the weekly columns that I had in the Nate newspaper was called Back of the Rack, where I would specifically focus on like lesser known DVDs nice. and I would clump them into genres. So I'd be like. Okay, here's three animated movies that have come out in like the last month. Here's three horror movies. Here's three whatevers. And that's how I would do Back of the Rack was like it was all not necessarily like direct to DVD stuff, but stuff that would have been, you know, third or fourth at the box office the weekend it came out. So, um, yeah, my certainly my movie consumption increased uh, when I started mm -hmm. working at a video store because being able to take home a movie basically every shift for free. Um, that was an opportunity for me to finally catch up on a lot of classics that I'd never seen, uh, to start experimenting with just like different genres that I hadn't really dealt with before. I started watching a lot of horror movies at that time for that reason. Cause prior to that, I wasn't really into horror movies. Um, yeah, it's, it, it working at a video, st- like it's, it's a shame that it's a lost cultural touchstone now. Mm-hmm. Um, because so many people, especially our age had that experience of working at the video store and getting into movies that way. And it's a lost art. It it will never happen again because that is an entire business model that was born and died in the span of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard a staggering fact recently, the average neighborhood blockbuster had more movies available by a factor of like 10 times than what Netflix has on any given day. 
I buy that. Like there's like thousands of movies in a video store and there's only ever like 500 or so on Netflix. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I know that's not the same multiplication factor I just cited, but like go ballpark. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ballpark, yeah. I, I get it. So. Um, yeah. Greg, yeah. Did you, oh, did you, you said you had some, some um, thoughts prepared on this? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to like open the hood uh, and explore <laughs> exactly where I was before uh, I really started to get into film in any sort of, more serious way and like the kind of the kind of person that i was that and and the and the the steep incline that i had to climb because like metaphors weren't something i got when i was a kid (laughs) like grade school language classes have taught me like the definition of metaphor but i was always terrible at recognizing them (laughs) in media um i mean granted fairly brother movies uh, may not be a rich <laughs> yeah, vein of meaningful <laughs> subtext, but I couldn't interpret the message for her hair is a phallic symbol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sure that much I could I could probably glean. Um, I don't know, like like, and I just I, at, at the time I just I don't I just frankly didn't care to learn. Like reply guys weren't really a thing in the two thousand, but I was definitely one of those. Um, I thought. I knew everything at 20 and uh, mm-hmm. I-, I would frequently engage in topics. I knew little about with the confidence and zeal of only that only an ignorant yeah. straight white male could possess. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but luckily for me, I had two friends who got sick of my bullshit one night. I, I vividly remember sitting in the back seat of my buddy's car, arguing with the two of them about something I, couldn't tell you what um after enduring like a multitude of backseat volleys uh something in my friends just snapped and they just decided to let me have it and they were like you don't know what you're talking about yet you argue as if you do and they let me know that i do this i did that frequently and i was crushed into (laughs) silence um if it, if it, like if this were a movie, the score would dip into like a, like a dark melancholy drone, and I'd yeah. be framed staring out the car window in defeat as With, like, like the street rain. lights flashed. Yeah, rain, <laughs> and the and the street lights were just highlighting my silhouette. Um, it was like a, it was like a major turning point in in my life, like truly, and um, like that night was painful, but I learned humility. And I nice. learned to be curious instead of pompous um, and like to search for truth and meaning rather than vibes. Right. Um, and like had my friends not called me out, I don't know that I would have ever gained the ability to be curious enough to search for meaning in cinematography or to enjoy like mm-hmm. the subtleties of screenwriting. Like, it, Yeah, it's just like it was a extremely important moment in my life and it probably only lasted you know 30 seconds (laughs) do you remember what specifically you were what just because you say it's so formative i gotta wonder like what hill were you trying to die on i don't know i don't remember at all i could like i said like i couldn't tell you what it was um because they were right like it was so common for me just to bullshit 
and mm-hmm. just try and just and just argue about something that I didn't really understand, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and it, like, yeah, it's it, 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 like it, like from there, like I started slowly, like just like reading more. Like I I I I had this deep personal need to want not want to come across as ignorant and like and wanting to like be sure that I understood what I was talking about before I've opened my mouth. Now, that doesn't always happen, obviously, mm-hmm. um, especially in a podcast format where you're just like yeah. having to say things off the cuff. But like, um, you know, like I it's it's a long journey. It's kind of like um, like having like what I have imagine having like a major addiction is like is it's like you don't really you don't really become you're not clean ever. You're just like sort of like continuing to work on being clean. And that's how I feel about uh, about that aspect of my personality is like if I don't keep checking it, eventually I'm going to like try and bullshit. relapse. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that the, being being a more curious person was like essential for me to become a better film watcher and a, and eventually mm. a better film critic critic that has like a, a podcast where we explore um a screenwriting and all that type of stuff right yeah um yeah i had i had a similar uh situation not in that i was told flat out i kind of wish someone had dude you gotta watch i like movies you're gonna hearing this from you you're it's gonna resonate <laughs> with you the same way it did me please okay. watch i like all movies right. rent it on youtube it's worth the five bucks the kid in this Literally, the kid in that movie is also the kid on this uh, <laughs> picture of my Nate newspaper. Um, I were recording on Discord, and I held up the the byline picture on the on the thing. Um, yeah, I had a similar thing. Just this, like that 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 insane know it allism that twenty mediocre twenty year old white men have is deranged. But also, I I don't know that if I didn't have it, I would have never got into comedy. Like I, and to the point where that's kind of why I don't do stand up anymore is because I know enough to know that walking on stage and being like a room full of people want to hear what I have to say, <laughs> um, is just like it, it's a, it's a, it's a deranged level of confidence that only the extremely privileged would dare attempt. <laughs> um, and looking back on, on some of these articles, I had, I had some of that too. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, that like, <sighs> Not necessarily that I know everything, because um, I don't. I don't think I was ever that arrogant as to think I knew it all. And maybe that's always when I resented it when people would be like, "Oh, fucking know it all, kid." Um, but it's that what I I was confident in what I did know. And you said it there a minute ago. Going forward with it, well, maybe knowing having all the answers, just being like, "Well, I've thought about it." And so here's what I've thought about and saying that and being yeah. like, oh, maybe that was half baked. Maybe I should have thought about it more before I talked. Um, and in, in reading some of these, there's a lot of that. Um, let me just see if I can cite cite an example here. This was uh, um, in uh, a review for Superman Doomsday, an animated Superman movie. <laughs> um uh, the animation quality is pretty basic, and the character design is even worse. Superman looks like he didn't sleep for a week and had his face beat with kryptonite baseball bat. Adam Baldwin and Anne Hesch provide voices, but even quasi-talented actors can't rescue this DVD. And it's like, who the <laughs> fuck are you, kid? Who? Uh, what was the other one? I, I, I take, cited a take few Take that direct-to-DVD uh, release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is from a review for Cloverfield. Um 
like Napoleon Dynamite or Snakes on a Plane, some will get it, some won't. Uh. <laughs> that is an insane trio of movies to put together. <laughs> yeah, in a review for Cloverfield. Like Napoleon Dynamite or Snakes on a Plane, some will get it, some won't. I'm mugging to the camera for these guys, so... Um, so yeah, I, I, <clears throat> but also I'm, I sometimes even listen back to like old episodes of the, and when I say old, I mean three week old episodes of this. And I'm like, who is this guy running his mouth? <laughs> so I really, I'm much like you're saying, you got to keep checking it. Even in doing this podcast, sure, I try to be mindful that I'm, I'm, I'm something of an expert, but I am no expert. And also these are crafts people trying their best. And I've been in their position i've been an artist i've been paid to be an artist i've been paid to make work of any kind Ch- chill out chill like <laughs> chill. yeah so. i guess that begs um, the question is like where did the worm start to turn for you uh when it comes to feeling like you you understood film a little bit better yeah, it was a slow burn. I think it was just doing art of my own and then just maturity and just realizing like looking back at loudmouth 20 year old stand up comics and being like uh, you know it just hindsight really i'd love to say there was a moment but it's just hindsight and i'm sure a decade from now i'm going to have hindsight on this and be like oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um but I, I i tried to combat these old articles with a like what it was what what is still true and evident in these articles and then what has changed so i got a few more examples if you'll indulge me sure, sure. um I did kind of notice I've always looked for something unique and original in a film, like I I stated at the beginning, but that also I often needed whatever my preconceived expected notions to be honored. This is a review for Gone Baby Gone, where <laughs> um, I appreciated some of its uniqueness, uh, but also uh, was like, it, it started one way and it was different than what I thought it was, and that's, <laughs> that's bad. Um my only criticism is that partway through, there's a big lurch in an otherwise smooth narrative. The case appears to be wrapped up, and we get a look at how the characters are dealing with the results, and even the voice of young Affleck's character begins to narrate like you'd expect to see at the end of another film. Uh, if you look down at your watch, though, you'll realize that it's only been 45 minutes. The audience is thrown back into a story with a whole schwack load, schwack load. Wrote that in his <laughs> of new plot twists and characters. Sure, this takes the movie to the fascinating place it ends up at, but thinking it was time to leave did break the engaging hold it had on me. Um, or uh, here's Run Fat Boy Run, where I'm like, I was a little disappointed at how Hank Azaria's character changes midway through the film. At first, he's an antagonist by definition. He's uh, only by definition only. He's kind, likable, and charming, and serves as a benchmark for Dennis's success rather than a villain. In the end, ho- in the end, though, he becomes a stereotypical sports movie douchebag, which I felt only, uh, which I felt the only uninspired part of the movie. So, um, there's a lot of me being like, I, I, I wanted this and I didn't get it. I, I enjoyed that that first one a lot where you were just like, I mistakenly thought the movie, it, it was over, but it wasn't. And and therefore, no stars. Yeah, precisely. Like, what is, what is this kid doing? Um, the one thing I was really surprised by, the other thing I sort of just want to highlight here, um, I was real pat myself on the back situation. There were multiple reviews where I cited being annoyed and cognizant 
that there were underwritten female characters. Um, it comes up a couple times, and I'm like, damn, 2008, Liam, you you want diverse selection of women in movies. Uh, but then reading further, it was less of a, like, you know, it, it was more that I just didn't want any character to be boring and underwritten and saw it as a missed opportunity for it to be a good character. Whereas now, as, an, as, a, as a more mature person, I understand that underdeveloped women is, like, part of the patriarchy and like a real insidious problem. Um, and I am more interested in movies that don't just have an interesting female sidekick movies that are about women full yeah. stop. Right. So uh, for that example, I would love to share <laughs> uh, a review for the film love in the time of cholera, um, which <laughs> hang on. Uh, you're familiar with Love in the Time of Cholera? Did you guys ever see that one? No, no. not even familiar with it. <laughs> it's uh, based on a book because I also worked at Chapters at the time. Um, it doesn't sound like a super fun one. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I misspoke. Not Love in the Time of Cholera. Uh, my, my notes were, were wrong here. Um, but in uh, Ghost Rider, uh, I say... <laughs> um Speaking of eye candy, the only thing hotter than Ghost Rider's skull was the gorgeous Eva Mendez as Blaze's long-lost love, Roxanne Simpson. Unfortunately, the character lacked any real depth or focus, bouncing from love to apathetic to angry and back again. Mendez falls into the uh, usual action movie mold of damsel in distress. Uh, which is like, yeah, good good eye, but also she's, she's hot. There's another one where I cite, like, there was boobs. This movie, like I wrote that in a newspaper, like movie does have boobs in it. Pretty good, though. Um, yeah. So uh, sorry, pretty I, I good what, in what part spite of, of the, the boobs. The, the thing from the Love in the Time of Cholera review I wanted to share with you is my last little observation. Um, I, I did always try to put a little joke in a little personality. Um, and so this is the joke from the beginning of the Love in the Time of Cholera review and why I got confused in my notes there a moment ago, because I did cite it. Um, I want you to read this in the voice of Bobby Hill from King of the Hill or hear it, hear it as I say this. Okay. <laughs> Love and cholera have much in common. They both make you hot and nauseous, make you look like hell and are best dealt with by drinking a lot. Um, just like tried to put little goofy jokes at the beginning because I, I did know that I was making like I was aware I was putting something out there. And so I have to put a little bit of like entertainment right. value yeah. and some of the jokes are cringy, but some of them I'm like, yeah, this is this is a budding young person who's a year away from starting stand up. So. so, yeah, those are sort of the things I had learned. I've, I've always been cognizant of women, but maybe I'm better at even better at it now. Um, uh, always look for something unique, uh, but also had these weird preconceived notions. And then, uh, yeah, kind of had some some pretentious, mediocre white guy energy. But that's how you get to comedy. Like, that's how you get to being confident mm -hmm. enough to crack a joke in public. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it kind of comes good with the bad. So those were those were the things I observed in reading those. Thank you for indulging me. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Amanda and I had fun reading these earlier. It was some of them are embarrassing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I would be embarrassed to read some of the, well, probably most of the stuff I wrote. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for like the Edmontonian and and things like that. Um, even when I reread uh, re some of the uh, the comics that I did, especially the the comic series I did when I was in my twenties, uh, 
yeah, can't say most of that stuff anymore. That's <laughs> that's how that is now. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's uh, I I appreciate you uh, um, offering that stuff up though, because I know it's like it's it's not always easy to share old creative work. Uh, you know, especially if you're if you may <laughs> may not be necessarily. I don't want to say you weren't proud of it, but like you know, if you're <laughs> you're offering it up as sort of like an example of like the things you've learned. So yeah, it's you can feel it can yeah. make people feel exposed. So I yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a that was a great thing to to share. Thanks. Yeah, and I, it it honestly it was not as cringy as I thought, and also I can see how I've grown. It was probably best case scenario cracking this thing open. So yeah, yeah. So. We are all three, as we've mentioned, cinephiles uh, who like to think that we have uh, a decent uh, and advanced level of cinema literacy. Um, we all are still on a journey, though. I think that's safe to say. We're, we're all getting better and more mature and more aware of uh, the, the cinema and the content that we're consuming as we continue to grow. But for people who are maybe younger or maybe newer to film who have been listening to us, um, I guess a question that that they might be asking us is, how do I become a better, more literate cinephile? And I think my number one, maybe my only piece of advice is watch more movies. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Consume movies, get outside of your comfort zone, watch movies that you might not on the surface be interested in watching, watch classic movies, especially. Um, and then when you've watched it and digested it, take a moment to think about the stuff that you liked about it and then try to figure out why you liked it. And what was it like the way it was staged? Was it the way that it was performed? Was it the way that it was uh, set in the frame? Was it some artistic choice that a director or a cinematographer or an actor made? And, that's the first big step towards being able to really like uh, understand what it is about the film that is resonating with you. Um, if you're looking for a really good, more in-depth primer than we have time to give you right now, Patrick H. Willems, who mm -hmm. is a, uh, a, a film analyst and a, a movie maker uh, who puts out, uh, analysis videos on, I'm, I'm not going to call it content because I don't want to make Patrick angry. Do it. Um, yeah, he <laughs> content. Uh, but he, he posts on Nebula and on YouTube and he did a, like a film analysis primer, um, which is great. He uses the film home alone, which is a movie everybody's seen and is very accessible, uh, to kind of walk you through all of the steps of how to like interpret a movie. And it's very valuable, even for somebody who knows film really well, it's a really mm -hmm. valuable uh, watch. And I would highly recommend you seek it out. Yeah. I think we've even mentioned it before on, on a side. I notes, think we but did. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't endorse it enough. Um, you're correct. My, my partner Amanda watched it and it's really helped us talk about film. It's still good for people if it's for things you already know. Like you said, just the way a good infographic can kind of like articulate information in a really efficient way. Yeah. It's, it's an efficient breakdown of film theory <clears throat> that yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I highly recommend. am so envious of Patrick Hicks Willem's ability to so clearly communicate um, and educate. He's mm -hmm. just so excellent. And he's, he's been invaluable to me um, in, in understanding 
uh, film better. Yeah. Yeah. I think this also makes a wonderful segue into sort of the final chunk of our, our, what we well, I, I do because... actually have something to add to what Scott oh, was saying, which is sure. that um, if if you're if you're looking um, to become you know a better uh, uh, cinephile, yes. I would actually also recommend watching a bad movies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, because well, be- like well before I learned to understand like good cinema, I I, I was learning what isn't you know. Much like when I was mentioning earlier, like that, like my journey into becoming like a more curious person, uh, like my understanding of film started in my my teens with mystery science theater, mm-hmm. right? And like seeing old movies, Rift On wasn't only hilarious, but it started to give me a, a great reference point for the types of things that were needed to make a movie function. Like so, when like Mike Crow and Tom Servo were reacting to like a jarring cut. Uh, or a missing establishing shot or uh, like a character motivation that was weird. Those were all like piling into my brain for future Greg to then uh, start to understand like when I'm watching movies on my own, why isn't this working or why is it working? And I mean, there's something to be said about watching a bad movie and finding stuff that you like in it too. And for that matter, what we do (laughs) to a certain extent, watch decent or good movies and find the things that aren't quite working. Mm-hmm. Um, because that also helps you like critically analyze the film that you're watching in, in a more uh, invested way than just letting it kind of wash over you. And I mean, yeah, sometimes you want a movie to just like wash over you. you you're looking for a popcorn flick. You want to shut off your brain, but if you really want to understand films, you really want to like, um, be able to to articulate what it is that you like about films and maybe even at some point get into making film yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of level of understanding that you want and that the best way to do it, whether you're watching a good movie like I'm saying or a bad movie like Greg is saying, watch more movies. Make yeah. the time to watch as many movies as you can because it's it's just like if you want to be an author, you want to read books. Mm-hmm. You want to read as many books as you can. It's the same with film. Yeah. Um, Musician. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like and, it. Yeah. And honestly, like the, the art of storytelling can help you in so many different places that aren't just, you know, l- you know, critiquing movies. Like they can potentially help you in your, in your daily life, whether it's, you know, um, you know, if you're, for example, like um, a social media uh, a person, like understanding, understanding story better um, can make you a better storyteller when you are trying to do your job. Yeah. The, uh, the segue I was going to segue to a minute ago would have teed this up just fine, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Cause yeah, I was going to sort of talk about how like the sort of last chunk of this reflection on our, our journey as, as fans of cinema and, and people who, who think about it in a myriad ways as, as a fan and also as um content creators dissecting it probing it rebuilding it we have the technology um yeah how has has this podcast or or maybe other ways that you've engaged with uh film criticism i feel like kind of that's the last way in which your perspectives might have changed was now you're also coming it from a uh, lowercase a academic, <laughs> like <laughs> big quotation marks around <laughs> academic approach. Um, but but 
thoughtfully approaching cinema, knowing that you're going to have to articulate it in a way that is fun and entertaining. Yeah. I mean, the podcast definitely has helped my overall cinema literacy, I would say. Um, like, I, I think that I was already on the way to like a decent level of literacy. As I said, I, I took a film course in university. I worked uh, at a video store and I consumed a lot of film during that time period. Um, but it, like any skill, you get rusty with it. And mm -hmm. for there was like a, a span of time where I wasn't really engaging with film on that level. And getting involved with I Have Some Notes was an opportunity for me to like polish up that skill again and improve it, I would argue. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it's it been a it, for me personally as a cinephile, it's been a valuable, uh, a valuable time for me. It's been an opportunity to get better at something that I, I enjoy and uh, hone that skill and, and be able to share it with other people. And, and there's nothing about that. That's not wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm grateful to be, have been added to the cast of this. Cause I, I enjoyed my early performances. I, I listened to the podcast or not performances, early appearances. Um, I also uh, was on, a great many number of episodes of the movie jerks, which is another great local Edmonton podcast that just wrapped up last year. They did 10 years. They were kind of like early adopters yep. on the podcast scene, even here in Edmonton. Um, and so if you, if you want to go and look through the, the movie jerks archive, I recommend any episode because they're wonderful guys, Scott and Sean. Um, but I, I was on about 10, 12 of those episodes. Uh, and that was kind of was like, kept me, it, I kind of went from the Nate newspaper into doing this with those guys into doing this with you. Um, so I never really there's I've, I'm very grateful that I've had an outlet to talk about movies in a public forum for most of my adult life. It's it. Oh, damn, I am uh, a lucky fella. So. Yeah, I like the movie making is it's infinitely interesting to me because there are so many disparate elements that go into it and there's there's so many you know artists at work all at once and they like there's so much it like you're you know it, it's it's one thing to be you know a painter and like painting a scene but then you're also adding in um the need for motion and the need for kineticism and the need for audio and then you know and the need for storytelling and all these things sort of confluencing into like this one singular vision and it sometimes i'm in awe that anybody can make a film work <laughs> as well as they do because there's so many um you know you know moving competing parts. interest and moving parts and yeah it's uh, i i think that's uh, uh just amazing i think that's that's part of why i enjoy talking about movies so much because it never really gets boring. There's always um, some sort of interesting angle to, to attack it with. Um, yeah. I, I, I think doing this podcast has only um, kind of helped me to explore um, those aspects of a film that I find fascinating even more and has kind of challenged me um, to learn much more about um, the art of of screenwriting, um, you know, and exploring things like the the other day I was watching a uh, a, 
a video essay on good, good versus bad dialogue and things like that. Mm-hmm. What makes up what makes up good bad good dialogue and 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 the kinds of things that that uh, do and don't work and and like that stuff has become infinitely fascinating to me. So, yeah, the the more that we do this and the, the more that I feel challenged to to try and be um, a better performer on this pod- podcast by increasing my own knowledge and my own yep. s- skill as a critic. Big time. Yep. I have a quick question for you guys. Um, sure. And just maybe, to, may, I don't know if this maybe wrap things up, but yeah. Um, are there any disadvantages you feel to knowing film as well as you do? I, I can see how you're, where you're going with this <laughs> and I don't think so because I think everything we just discussed applies to not only other art forms, like my brother's a musician and I know he gets more out of music <clears throat> knowing music. Um, he'll joke. He's, he said that like music school ruined him for music, but he said that it was only <laughs> for a while and he's back now. Um, like it's, he got, he got snobby and judgy and shit and just couldn't handle uh, uh, anything that was too basic. Cause he was, you know, you're, you're just operating at such a higher level. Um, but he's come around and, and I think it's just like with anything, like you were talking in the beginning, Greg, about being curious and, Obviously, I seek out video essays and things on YouTube about film, but I also seek it out about design. I love 99% Invisible. I seek it out about politics, about current events. Um, And it's always richer the more you know about it. Same with like, just think about being like on top of current events. You get more out of it if you're literate in it. Yeah. And so I I wouldn't... it might, you know, yeah, like I see the, the, the heart of your question is like, has it made you cynical? Has it made it hard to turn off your notes brain um, when watching something that maybe doesn't need the I have some notes touch? And I'd say for every occasion like that, there's a million more where I'm just getting so much out of the experience that I wouldn't if I didn't know what I know. So, n- no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, for the one thing that I can think of, um is that and this isn't really this isn't really a complaint or or like or nor does it really affect my enjoyment of of film in any particular way but um i i used to like when when people would say they could see things coming in films and things and things like that i was I, i would always like when i watched movies i never really like looked at like tried to figure things out like when i was watching like a mystery film i was always like letting the mystery wash over me Mm -hmm. rather than like you know trying to figure out like who done it who done it like it wasn't that uh, and and i was never in any particular movie trying to like figure out which way it was going but i find now that because of how we've spent years exploring movies in this fashion that that kind of stuff just pops up into my head immediately like when i see a certain character set up with a certain amount of you know a certain type of motivation and then facing a certain conflict i suddenly i immediately can calculate this is going to happen because it needs to um mm-hmm. just based on just based on how they've set this up so like i like i i can I can sort of instinctively see where a movie is going by the setups now. Whereas before I would have just like, I would, I would just been blissfully ignorant and again, just like let it wash over me. 
Um, I think this ties back to what I was saying about what I loved about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I don't think that that happens every time, Greg. I think it's just the threshold now. The threshold is higher for what will suck you in enough to turn that part of your brain off. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Um, There's also something to be said, and I may have said this before on the podcast. You can know the destination and still enjoy the journey. Agreed. Um, and that's true with books. That's true because I have a podcast where we digest books. Um, and uh, that's true with cinema. That's true with video games. Just because you know where the story is going to end doesn't mean that it's still not a very good story okay. and not a satisfying ending. And that's that's something that I think spoiler culture has kind of ruined for a lot of people where it's like, no, I don't want to know anything because I don't want to be spoiled. And it's like, it's not that big a deal just because you know what a plot twist is going to be or what uh, the ending is going to be. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to get that fresh, but sometimes something is so good that it doesn't matter that you know Mm -hmm. that it's going to happen and you can still have a good time with it. That's also why I uh, endorse cannabis and movies as a a nice compliment to each other. Because it makes getting sucked in way easier. Where legal to do so. Where Yes. For those (laughs) listeners of ours who are not in Canada, we're illegal to do so. Um, But yeah, it just, it it is definitely easier to, to not deconstruct the movie you're watching if you're fully engrossed in it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think you're, I think sometimes when my critical brain starts firing off, I, I'm like, I'm, know that I'm watching something that's not good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I... Uh, great. Well, that's, uh, I think, uh, I, I, I appreciated getting to, to know you guys and, and know that about you. I think it was all things I maybe knew intrinsically, but, but unpacking it like this was, was very insightful. So yeah. Uh, thank you, Greg, for, for pitching that. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. And aside yeah. from loving the time of cholera, we did not s- promote any specific films uh, <laughs> lest uh, we cross the, the proverbial picket line. Um, <laughs> but nobody's even heard of that. Um, excellent. Well, uh, this has been another Side Notes edition of I Have Some Notes. Uh, I've been Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. <laughs>